0: Ladies and gentlemen, live from the world's most beautiful city, San Francisco, California, Ring Top, your inside look into the world of boxing and mixed martial arts. Domasi Caballeros,
3: bienvenidos! Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sports Bylaw Broadcast Network and Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Check it, you're inside looking the world of mixed martial arts. Straight up, my name is Pedro Fernandez. I'm the reigning, the defending, the undisputed heavyweight champion on the radio waves, having defended that title off for better than three decades. And straight up today, we're talking UFC, the sale. Four billion bucks. Is it a done deal? Does that mean we're finally rid of Dana White? Are the Fatitas really giving up the company for four billion bucks? Well, we'll talk about that more with the genius that he is, Dave Meltzer. At 20 minutes past the hour, of course, Wrestling Observer Newsletter, the creator of that, the Wrestling Observer Radio Show, the man that started that, Mr. MMA. We'll talk with Dave Meltzer at 20 minutes past the hour right here on Ring Talk Live Worldwide. So we'll talk with Meltzer about that, of course, CM Punk. Uh, going to finally make his debut in the UFC. That's going to be interesting. We'll talk about that in great detail. Conor McGregor, of course, the mouth that roar, talking about the big rematch with Nate Diaz. He's going to get lit up like a White House Christmas tree once again. I don't care what he says. But, UFC 200, of course, is going to start off with July the 7th, Rafael Dos in a title event. Then we go to Joanna Jay in an a Ultimate Fighter type of event the night before, the uh, night after, July the 8th, and July the 9th, of course, the big fight, UFC 200 with Brock Lesnar on the card, and of course the main event, Danny Cormier and John Jones in the rematch. So what used to be International Fight Week is now USC for three days. They own it. Bottom line is all those small promotions, they're done. You're tuned to Ring Talk, live, worldwide, open phone lines. If you want to join me, 1-800-878-PLAY. That's 1-800-878-7529. The Skype line as well, the address of sports byline and the number two. This is Ring Talk. Live from the left coast to west coast, San Francisco, California, on Sports
4: Byline.
2: I think every kid on earth has heard these words from a parent. Were you born in a barn? Close the door. I'm Danny Lippard with tips for today's homeowner. Stay tuned and I'll share a simple way to keep the outdoors outside where it belongs right after this. Outdoor concrete projects are quick and easy with Quickrete Fast-Setting Concrete in the red bag. Whether you need to set a fence post, mailbox post, or deck footing, or even pour a backyard patio, Quickrete Fast-Setting Concrete in the red bag makes it simple. To set a post, there's no mixing. Just pour the dry mix into the hole and add water. It sets hard in about 20 minutes and you're done. It's that fast and easy. Quickrete Fast-Setting Concrete. Look for it in the red bag. I know a lot of kids, and to be honest, a few adults, too, that have a hard time remembering to close the door behind them. But you may have a gap under your door that can be just as big a problem. Doors that don't seal properly at the bottom will let in the summer heat, as well as dust, pollen, insects, and rodents. Did you know a mouse can get into your home through a gap less than a half inch wide? A simple door bottom seal is simple to install, especially if they're self-adhesive. They seal the gap between the door and your threshold. And as a bonus, by sealing the gap, they also conserve energy. Best of all, they won't break the bank since most of them only cost around $5. I'm Danny Lipford with tips for today's homeowner.
5: from our Canadian and international pharmacies and fulfillment centers. No insurance? No problem.
6: Shogun absolutely
0: decimating Quentin Rampage Jackson in this, the first round. The youngest competitor is really taking it to the pride veteran. This is not good. Yeah, this is the end of the fight. Oh. Mauricio Shogun has just electrified the crowd. Shogun's for real and he has arrived. Yeah, he's a threat. He's crazy. He's off the hook. Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. Works for me. As a step going strong, a lot of things going on the
6: man
0: of the hour has an air of great
4: power. The dudes have ended him
3: for so long oh. super flat. when I was knocking out all bums and went undefeated for three years winning four straight uh, three straight golden gloves four and all uh, my mother used to say it's not bragging when you're telling the truth no, it's not anyway you are tuned to ring talk live worldwide we'll talk about the road to USc 200 of course USc road being that entire week 7th 8th and 9th of course fox sports tv and then of course coming back with the big pay-per-view on usc 200 and i got to give usc some props because they are going with these good cards on the 7th and 9th but you know to come back with just these pay-per-view cars i'm tired of just watching stuff on pay-per-view everybody of course is tired of kicking down 75 80 bucks a month maybe if we watch it on on high def but if you can go to a club you know, maybe to a sports bar, you can watch it for 10 bucks. But let's get to the meat of the matter. Of course, Friday night, June the 24th, live, of course, on Spike TV. The man we just heard from, we just got lit up like the White House Christmas tree by Mauricio Shogun Rua. He's back. I'm talking about Clinton, Quentin Rampage Jackson, now 37, 38, and 11. Now, of course, a winner, a split decision winner over um, Satoshi Ishii. The fight, of course, was close back and forth, but Rampage did his thing for For the judges, anyway, he convinced them to win. Of course, he moves on. Wasn't in the best shape of his life, and that's probably not a good thing because he is getting up there in age and weighing in around 220 pounds. That's probably about 15 pounds over his maximum weight. But at this given time, you know, being 36, 37 years old, can a fighter really come down and make the weight that he was making in his prime? Isn't it asking a little bit too much? I mean, come on, man. That's like asking a guy to go back to his natural weight. I mean, I'm serious. Going back to your natural weight. Bottom line is, natural weight or not, he's a good fighter. Not a great fighter right now because he's in hurting. And When you're hurting for injuries, injuries will just take you out. Speaking of injuries, they're still talking about GSP coming back at 185 pounds and possibly taking on Michael Bisping, of course, GSP, Georgia St. Pierre, the former flag bearer, the Canadian flag bearer of the USC for so long, the welterweight champion, lost his title to Johnny Hendricks, had those two controversial fights with Hendricks. Uh, Won the first one, very controversial. And then he lost the second one. I sort of thought he might have won the second one, but Hendricks, of course, had an abbreviated title run. But Hendricks trying to get back in the move at 170. But, you know, give him some props. GSB coming back, he sees a weak spot here. He thinks that Michael Bisping at 185 is a weak spot. Of course, Bisping coming off that upset win, a fortnight ago against Luke Rockhold, capturing the world middleweight title, and Luke Rockhold coming off the he went over Chris Weidman, the natural. I mean, we thought Weidman was going to be champion for a long time. What do you think happens? I mean, it, and I try to tell people about the the window of opportunity in the world of mixed martial arts combat sports. <clears throat> it opens oh so briefly. But as far as the championships, the, the level is concerned, I'm talking about your upper echelon level. It the it opens even briefer. I mean, I, has it closed on Chris Weidman? I mean, the beating he took from Rockhold, I and mean, it was a beatdown. He came to he came to fight, and he tried to employ some wrestling skills. He couldn't get him on the ground. He couldn't do what he wanted to do. Of course, this was the guy that used Boxing 101 to take out Anderson Silva, the iconic figure, the the uh, spider, and take away the world middleweight title from the longtime champion. And, of course, then beat him in a rematch when he broke his leg when he checked his uh, leg kick with a knee. So, I mean, he's an amazing, amazing athlete. The guy that beat the Filipino Wrecking Crew a few years ago, uh, wow, down there in San Jose, California, everybody in the media said, Yeah, you yeah, know, we're going with uh, Mark Munoz, who's my buddy with the Filipino record rec- machine to sign my wall out here at the Sports Byline Wall of Fame. Well, he's my buddy, he's been here, no doubt about it. But when I looked at him and Weidman, and didn't know a whole lot about Weidman, but I noticed he had never been taken off his feet, and he was an undefeated wrestler, per se, and with a great wrestling background amateur pedigree. I said, I'm going to go with the guy that's never been taken off his feet. And guess what? Nobody took him off his feet. Of course, I think Anderson Silva might have him off his feet once in two fights. And, of course, Luke Rockhold just owned him in that fight. But 185 pounds, it's open right now. It might be Michael Bisping. And, of course, the former heir heir apparent to superstardom. He was a superstar, but somehow he didn't cross over into mainstream sports. MMA, yes, but GSP, uh, in the world of you know modern sports and mainstream sports, not so much. Nate Diaz, my man, Nate Diaz, of course, pound for pound on that UFC list. Now they don't want him on the paper pound for pound list. They really don't, man. They don't want him on. They don't want him around. They wish he would just go away. They wish he would have lost. Look, they brought him in when they stand, signed him at the last minute to replace the aforementioned Rafael dos Santos, who's going July the seventh. Defending the title uh, against, of course, Eddie Alvarez, a former Bellator champion. But you know, when 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 uh, Dos Santos pulled out at the last minute, or like hmm, maybe ten days before, due to an injury, uh, Conor McGregor says, "Okay, I, the guy I want to fight is Nate Diaz, and I'll fight him at 170." Well, Nate Diaz is a hmm, probably a 155 pounder, a guy that that struggles to get on the 155. So he had no problems making 170, none whatsoever. I mean, none. He might have been underweight for that. But he comes in at 170. And, of course, he and Conor McGregor, they engage in an opening ground battle, back and forth. He took some big heat from Conor McGregor. McGregor can punch. Take, take away what you you uh, might not like about the guy. But as a striker's concern, concerned, and you can ask the great hoe Jose Aldo, this got taken out in 12 seconds, that, you know, Conor McGregor can punch. There's just no doubt about it. But Nate Diaz is a bigger guy. He was able to endure. He was able to last. In the second round, he took a gas, Conor McGregor, and he choked him out. And of course, this sets up the big fight, USC 202. Man, that's going to be an outstanding fight. I think Nate Diaz is going to win that fight. I mean, how can you pick Conor McGregor to win? How can you against a bigger guy, a guy that's so skilled? I mean, you know, the Diaz brothers, both him and Nick, like I told you, if I was walking down the streets of Tijuana back in the day when I was doing television, back in the 90s, in the early part of the century, doing late-night television at the Tijuana Auditorium. Of course, in Tijuana, the exciting nightlife that there is, you definitely just don't want to like go to the arena and go to the gig and just go back to your best Western hotel or wherever you were staying. No, no, no. You want to go out and have some fun, right? So you go out to different parts of Tijuana, and then you realize, eh, there's, no tab, there's no cabs out here to get out of here anyway. So you start walking back, maybe a mile and a half. You walk through some rough, rough streets of Tijuana, okay? But if I ever walked through the rough streets of Tijuana nowadays, because it's really rougher and more violent and deadly, I'd want to have the Diaz brothers with me, Nate and Nick Diaz. I would take them over for Reese Berdum, the former heavyweight champion, and Stip Miocic, the current world heavyweight champion. If I had a chance to take the Diaz brothers with those guys, I would take the Diaz brothers with me. But Nate Diaz and, of course, Conor McGregor, this is going to be one hell of a fight, UFC 202. And the world's going to be, I think, at the edge of their because Conor McGregor, like, you know, like Muhammad Ali. But he's maybe Muhammad Ali just for a minute. I don't mean that he's Muhammad Ali, like, the greatest or something like that. Or he's going to be a, a superstar forever. But right now, he's hot. And when you're hot, he he's even hot and losing. I think... People want to see now, can he come back from the loss? How can he do against a bigger man in a a second fight? You know, Diaz is going to get an entire camp here. It's not like he's going to be able to come in uh, as he did the first time with 10 days notice. He's coming in with an entire camp, with an entire camp. And he called all the shots for this. He made the Fertitas and Dana White fly into Stockton, California, a.k.a. the 209 area code. Okay, He made them fly in there. And they begged him, and he said, no, 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 get out of here, go home, go home. And he said, this basically sent him home. Of course, allegedly gangster slapped Dana White, but sent him home. And then like maybe two and a half, three weeks later, they ended up coming to some type of agreement. But I'm telling you, Nate Diaz playing hardball with the UFC, and why not? He's one of the few guys that can do that. Not too many guys can call a shot right now with Dana White. And that's the problem, the monopoly that he runs. That's what's going down in this court case. Zufa Sports, of course, being sued by those fighters in that class action lawsuit. Kyle Kingsbury, Kung Lee, Nate Corey. That's going down in August in a Clark County courtroom in Las Vegas Nevada. Adam. And I'm telling you, that's going to be big time. As far as the sales concern of the USC, I wonder if there's an asterisk involved. If we lose the suit, do we give some of the $4.5 billion back? I don't know. Next up, Dave Melter, RefC Observer of fame, right here on Sports Bylines. No. Oh, oh.
4: That's 800-296-0906. Do you have an old car sitting in your driveway? How would you like to learn a hassle-free way to get rid of it, help kids in need, and get a great tax donation in the process? It's real easy. One simple free call to our car donation hotline is all it takes. Call the Nishama Foundation at 800-760-4895. 800-760-4895. We'll come pick your car up for free and give you a tax donation for the full value of the car, running or not. Thank you.
1: Yeah,
2: was
0: able to recover. That at all. Oh, and he's got Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
2: You don't have to say anything and you don't have to do anything. Oh, maybe just whistle. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You just put your lips together and
7: blow. <laughs>
3: 26 minutes past the hour, you're tuned to Sports Byline. We'll start the question off with the a genius of MMA is, has the UFC been sold, Dave Meltzer, for $4.5 billion, yes or no?
8: Uh, I don't know the answer. I mean, I know it's in the process. Of, it's four, about $4 billion and I know the process is going on. I don't know if the deal is signed on paper, but it's um, the bids are in, and I think a bid's been accepted, so I think we're at a pretty close position. If it's not a done deal.
3: Will this have? Uh, will the class action lawsuit that was filed by the fighters? Will that have any impact on the sale? I mean, as far as a contingency, maybe an asterisk involved if we lose this lawsuit, some of your money comes back or something like that.
8: It's, it's, it's possible. I mean, it's it's um, you know they made the, the the companies that were you know in the pro, in the in the hunt for buying. They made them aware of that suit and there's a couple of other suits as well, but that was the key one. Yeah. So I don't know what the contingency is on that. If the suit's going forward, uh, like nothing's changed. I know that, and uh, yeah, I don't know how the deal was made in regard to that suit.
3: Is Daniel is Daniel White a genius, a
8: pimp, or both? I hate to use the word genius, but he's very street smart. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had his good. He's had some really good instincts, and he's kind of a pimp too. Yeah. I mean, that's... Okay.
3: We're talking with Dave Meltzer, of course, the Wrestling Observer of Fame, no doubt about that, man. The man that's been covering MMA since back in the day when it started, back in 1993. Of course, that was a big USC one. And, you know, I was looking back at USC one and Hoyce Gracie, I saw Hoyce Gracie, you and I both saw him at the San Jose Arena, the uh, Shark Tank, a few weeks ago. He still looks good. He's in good shape, but... I don't think he could hang in today's world of mixed martial arts.
8: Oh, it's a completely different sport than it was then. It was so primitive. None of those guys would have, um, at the skill level they were at, you know, they would have all been destroyed by today's fighters. I mean, today's fighters are so much better standing um, and so much better on the ground as well. I mean, it's just a complete sport. It's like comparing, you know, baseball players from the 1880s with, you know, it, it evolved, even though it's only been 23 years, it probably evolved like 70 years in that 23 years.
3: Who is CM Punk, and is he for
8: real? I mean, he's a great pro wrestler. Um, he's for real when it comes to that. As a fighter, um, it's a story. I mean, they, they hired him off of his pro wrestling name. He really wanted to do it. It was something that he wanted, and he wanted to prove that he could do it. And I think that the reality of, you know, you know unlike Brock Lesnar and, and other uh, professional wrestlers who've gone into MMA, most of them were very good amateur wrestlers, so you had that base. And Punk never wrestled amateur, so he was really starting from scratch. And at 36, starting from scratch in a fighting game, and then going into a major league promotion—that's um, a lot to ask. I think he thought that he could outwork people and get it done, but there's a—you know—I think reality is about to hit on, on that one, unfortunately for him.
3: Okay, that kid you and I used to see out at the Cow Palace back in the 70s—that <laughs> became the Rock. I'm talking about Dwayne Johnson um was he was he talking about doing a thing in mma before he got hurt was he thinking about maybe doing a cross not at his
8: not at his age now no no no.
3: but he wasn't in in, in prior in prior
8: years Um, i mean he did an interview uh, a couple days ago where he said that there was a point where he was thinking about it but i don't know that it was ever it it wouldn't have been that serious because i um, I mean it was that serious he just started training and everything like that i think that I think there's a part of him, I think he was intrigued by it. He was a big fan of it, for sure. He used to go to the shows, and I think he still follows it pretty well, and he's friends with Dana. But, um, you know, I, I think there's like a like a lot of the wrestlers, I think there's a part of them where it was like, I'd really like to do this, I'd like to try it. But it was just, by the time UFC was big, he was a gigantic movie star, and it would have made no sense at all. So um, it just didn't, it, it, it just wasn't going to happen. I mean, if he was... A college football player coming out of college at 23 didn't get an NFL offer and uh, didn't have a background in pro wrestling and who he was. What do you try? I mean, who who knows? I mean, he's a better athlete than most of the guys that are in it. So, I mean, but, you know, I, I wouldn't say that it was ever serious, no. Okay.
3: Brock Lesnar, uh, according to some reports, the United States Anti-Doping Association offered, gave him some four-month exemption on testing or something like that. Can you elaborate on that?
8: Okay, so he, it's not, that's not exactly what happened. What, 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 there's, there's a rule in place now that if you retire, um, they don't want you to gimmick the system. So it's like, let's just say, let's just say you're a fighter and you're, you go announce, I'm retired. And then you announce like a couple months later, you know, I'm unretired. Well, during that couple months, you could get on steroids and stuff because they're not testing you. And the whole thing is, is that if you're going to do a retirement thing before you're going to have a next fight, you're going to have to have four months of testing. Well, Brock did retire in 2011, but that was before this all came in. And then, you know, with a with a uh, literally like what uh, five weeks before the fight, they made the big announcement. And he's and you know he had been training and he had been interested in doing it, but they were waiting for WWE to sign off on the deal, and WWE didn't sign off on the deal until June the third, so they didn't have him until June the third. Now, since then, they've been testing. They tested him five times in one week. I mean, they drove him crazy, from what I understand, because they kept testing him, but. Um, but yeah, I mean it wasn't four months of testing before you come back, so there were people upset about that because of how gigantic Brock looked at, at WrestleMania. So I mean I and I can get I can see it. You know, why you would be upset about it. But they are I guess they're trying to make up for lost ground now.
3: Mark Hunt Mark Hunt likes to say, Hey, this guy's a juicer. Maybe I should get juice. I was just was just joking, but the slow and Samoan, um I thought I Slow and Samoan, the slow and Samoan. No matter what he looks like, he's always ready to fight, and sometimes he's so gassed he can still let go of one of those haymaker punches and knock people out. But with the wrestling base, the pedigree of, of, uh, of Brock Lesnar, the, the chances of him getting in that lucky punch are probably slim and none, and maybe slim just left town.
8: I would favor Hunt because you know the thing with the wrestlers. Ooh, ooh tell me, I love this. Go on, go on. Yeah, yeah, no, I favor. I definitely favor Hunt in the fight. Um, ooh. The thing with, I mean, Hunt's got good takedown defense. Um, you know, if you look at what you know what's happened with him, like the the last, um, I mean, he lost to um, Miochik who was a really good all around fighter, was much quicker, much quicker standing, and also was able to then get him off balance and take him down. Um, with Verdum, Verdum couldn't get him off his feet, and Verdum, well, not a great wrestler, Verdum is, is uh, you know, he's not a bad takedown guy. He couldn't get him off his feet, and the only reason he beat Hunt was because they were in Mexico City and Hunt gassed, uh, because Hunt was dominating the first two rounds of the fight, or uh, you know, the first round and a half before he gassed. He, um, but, um, you know, with Brock, I mean, it's how much of his wrestling is he going to have now at almost 39 years old? Uh, I mean, I'm very skeptical a four-year layoff from this sport and a four-year layoff from, from, you know, hard wrestling training, and you're going to come back and get it back. in Even if it's in two months, it's just uh, – I'm I'm skeptical. And in a standing fight – I mean, they're two big heavyweights that are 206. They're going to fight at 265, and they're both going to probably go in the cage about 275, uh, maybe more. I mean, yeah, anything can happen. I mean, but um, when it comes to a standing fight, I mean, Mark Hunt is – is the world's above Brock Lesnar?
3: Interesting. This, but it's going to be a legendary fight as far as pay per views concerned. Because the wrestling people that have been watching Brock Lesnar and living on him over at the World Wrestling Entertainment, uh, they're going to come over and watch him to an extent. So the draws, the draws, going to be there. Is this a trade off to get Ronda Rousey to make an appearance at, at WrestleMania? Not, not
8: necessarily, but it certainly opens the door in the sense that you know you owe us one, and now can we get Ronda Rousey? Because you know, they wanted Ronda Rousey for WrestleMania this last year, but it kind of fell apart because um, there was a timing issue. I mean, um, but, but you know, like UFC let her do the WrestleMania the year before, and then it was like no more. Well, now they own a the favor. So, yeah, if, um, you know, and, and again, Ronda Starr has, it's fallen, but it's not fallen that much to where she wouldn't be valuable at WrestleMania. But, um, yeah, if they want her, I would think that I can't see – UFC saying no right now.
3: How come nobody's clamoring to? I mean, people used to say me, "Hey Pedro, what can you get Ronda back on the show?" I haven't had that since she lost. Nobody wants to hear about her. So, sort of like good riddance. I mean, did she finally did she wear her welcome? Did her did her attitude just grate on people for the last like year and a half, two years to so the point where the people that liked her all of a sudden didn't like her and wanted to see her lose? Sort of like turned into a heel. Um, she
8: was. Pretty big until the loss. I think that was the handling of the loss was not her best at all. I mean, everybody loses, but she, you know, she didn't handle it well at all, and she's pretty much disappeared. Like, I mean, she's done like no media practically. Um, you know, I mean, there's probably one or two exceptions, but I mean, almost no media since November. She's hardly done any fight training that we know of. There's no fights in the thing. It's like it's, it's, uh, it's a real interesting story. I mean, I, you know, there are people who. And you know this from boxing and everything. There are guys who, who who are unbeatable, and they lose a fight, and then mentally they, they have a tough time with it. But I think Ronda has had that happen to her worse than any fighter I can ever think of.
3: Well, you remember what Mike Tyson used to say about uh, people fighting, beating boxing or combat sports. Once you get hit on the chin, spit changes and spit with an H. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shane Carwin, of course, Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar, did you think Brock? I got about 20 seconds for the break. You think Brock Lesnar should have been DQ when he turned his back on Shane Carwin? You could
8: have. You could have. You, you could have. You could have called that fight. I mean, it was very close. I thought it was on the verge of being called, and then you know, Shane Carwin just kind of hit the wall. You know, he just blew himself up, and then from that point on, it was. It was a new fight it was an amazing fight that was I mean, a good that, fight that's one of the things that happens in mma when you go so hard for the finish if you don't get it um i mean that same thing happened on friday night in the bellator fight and it happened um on the ufc fight uh, the week before i mean it just you you see guys right get there you know get right there for the finish and then all of a sudden when they don't get in the guy stands up to them then they're all blown up
3: Finish. great dave Melzer here on the sports byline broadcast nowhere this is sports byline
7: You know, everyone has their moment of picking themselves off the floor. And I'd gone through several of mine, but no one had had actually seen me go through it. And maybe I just had to be that example of picking myself off the floor for everyone. And maybe that's what I'm meant for.
9: Rebuild or replace transmission, $3,200. Anti-lock brake system, $1,000. Rebuild or replace engine, $2,400
0: 800-480-5708. Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez. Let's get out of this hot sun into a nice, cool bar. In a few minutes, honey. International
3: Fight Week used to surround an event in the, about the first, around July 4th, uh, July 4th through July 11th. And- in Las Vegas, of course, it was International Fight Week. There would be a few independent cards, and a UFC card would top off the week on a Saturday night. But, Dave Melcher, what happened to the independent shows there for International Fight Week? Are they all disappeared?
8: Um, I mean, there's not inter- in- independent MMA shows that I'm aware of because UFC's running three straight nights, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But there's, um, you know, a lot of uh, um, amateur. There's amateur MMA at the Expo, at the Convention Center. There's... Uh, submission uh jiu jitsu tournaments i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of other stuff that's going on that weekend yeah
3: are there really fifteen thousand m m a gyms or jojos across the united states
8: i don't know the number
3: um i mean would would that astonish you if i said there were there were that many
8: i mean when you think about no it, no 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 it wouldn't it wouldn't i mean there's you know, there's one right around the corner. There's there's one right around the corner for me and a bunch of others within driving distance. You know, short, you know, like five miles. So, you know, yeah, it's probably a ton. Right. Battle of
3: the champs going down July the 7th. Of course, Rafael Dos Santos of course, looking good at lightweight until he got hurt, 24-7 and out of Brazil, taking on Eddie Alvarez, a former Bellator champion, 27-4 and here. Uh, what's going to give, Dave?
8: I don't know where um, Dos Anjos is going to be, but he's looked really good the last couple of years, better than Eddie. So, I mean, if you look at how they've, Fought in the last few fights, I would give the edge to Dos Anjos. I mean, Eddie squeaked by. I would say Pettis um, and Melendez. I mean, he beat them, um, but it's not like he ran through them. And, and Dos Anjos has been running through people, you know, like Cerrone and uh, Pettis, and, and he's really looked good. So if you look at, you know, there's there's other questions. You know, I mean, with, in the in the Usada era. Guys' abilities and physiques can change rapidly because of the fear of being caught in a drug test. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, um, past performances in recent years don't mean as much as they normally would because you never—it's—it's that's like to me—it's become such a harder sport to predict. In in another year and a half, I think it'll be back to being easier to predict because you won't have that factor because everyone's going to be under this, you know. You know, it'll be, everyone will have a couple of fights under this regime where you're a lot more scared to take PEDs.
3: You know, Pettis, I thought, was a stud. I thought Pettis was headed to superstar in I thought he was going to be champion for a long time, and Dolzanos comes along and handles him. What's Pettis done of late?
8: It's been disappointing. Um, you know, he just lost to Barboza. Um, he just, um, I don't know what happened to him. I mean, he looked, he looked like a dominant, young, longtime world champion. Then he met Dos años, and since then he's just been struggling.
3: Hmm. Speaking of guys struggling, Hector Lombard, the former Bellator guy, got drilled a few weeks ago in a USC fight, but he, he was coming off the steroids, the steroid suspension, and his body looked a lot different, didn't it? Actually, you know what? I
8: can't say he looked a lot different. You don't he think he was, looked he less, was, less less like, like, I mean. No, 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 he looked, he looked different, yeah. you know. I mean, you know, he didn't. He, he, you know, it was, he still was muscular as hell, but he did look. There is a difference, I have to say, between what he looked, you know, a year and a half ago and how he looked there. Slight, but I mean, in the fight itself, I mean, it was a classic Dan Henderson fight. That, you know, you um, every Dan Henderson. I mean. He can be knocked down and he can be hurt. But if he gets up, he can throw that punch. And, uh, and Lombard's also a guy that if you, if you don't finish him fast, and it, it's been his history. If, you know, he won most of his matches with early finishes, and if he doesn't have, get an early finish, he turns human very quick.
0: You
3: know what made him human in a gym down there in, around Miami about, uh, I guess, three or four months ago, according to witness Charles J, a, a a reporter here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, Hector Camacho Jr., and he got into a scuffle in a in a gym they were first like you know doing some uh the wrestling and hector was sort of out wrestling them and i couldn't imagine that and then after hector started throwing some blows on him they had some gloves on this and that so evidently hector lombard got humbled by hector camacho jr and that's not something you want to go home and brag about because hector camacho jr is not exactly the old man
8: yeah wow Wow. i never i never heard that story um that's an interesting story
5: though yeah okay
3: what about Roy Big Country Nelson? Is he done? I mean, is he just always going to be the mid-level guy? But he's twenty-two yeah. and a mid-level guy. He, he can't ab- 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 uh, get above that mid-level card, can he? Not,
8: you know, he's in, he's in his forties now, and so I don't see him. Um, I don't see him challenging the top guys. But he, it's kind of he's kind of like one of those guys that people kind of like because he's, you know, he throws and he's he's got a good knockout punch and he can he's got a good chin, so he he has good fights and I think that people. I think there's also people who get a kick out of a guy with that physique doing really well. It kind of makes them think, hey, maybe I can do it. So there was a time um, a couple of years ago, I remember he fought in Canada, and when he came out, it's like, oh, my God, he finally really connected, but then he lost that fight. So it was kind of like he never, you know, I think he was on the verge of being like a big star, and then he lost the key fights. Um, at that point, at that point, it might have been, may have been to Stipe. Um I mean, like, the real... You know, younger skilled guys are, are, are just going to beat them just because of the age and the conditioning. Joanna
3: J. How do you pronounce her last name?
8: Jan Jacek.
3: That's not bad, Jan Jacek. Okay. Um, Claudia Gadiela. It's Gadiela. Gadiela, of course. She's out of Brazil?
8: Yeah, Claudia Gadiela out of Brazil. Yeah, that's going to be a great fight. Um, it's. I think that in a stand up fight, I think, Joanna, um, I think Joanna wins. She's got more stand up skill. Uh, but Claudia, they fought once before, and I thought Claudia beat her. Because um, Claudia got her down, and if but Joanna's takedown defense has improved, so I'm I'm favoring Joanna in this fight. But if, if Claudia can out wrestle her, she can she can take the decision. five rounds instead of three, and I think that favors Joanna as well. But um, you know, it, it, it's a close fight.
3: In the world of boxing, if you saw a uh, a card like uh, in the paper, like in Jack Fisk column, two weeks before the the fight, and it would say there would be a uh, like Andrew Sanchez to beat uh, versus T-B- TBA and not to be announced who's usually to be annihilated is that is that what's going to happen here in these last minute subs in the world of MMA is is that the well, same I mean, thing Well
8: this thing was a last minute sub and he beat Luke Rockhold so I mean you just never know I mean MMA, it, because of the different skills and everything, it's like you just it's, – it's very hard to predict because there's so many ways to win and there's so many ways to lose. It's not just boxing where if one guy's a more skilled boxer, he's probably going to win unless there's a lucky punch type of thing. In MMA, it's like there's the lucky punch, the lucky knee, the you know thing on the ground. There's a mental lapse. I mean, there's so many ways that things can be – you know, that can happen. And, I mean, it's funny when someone beats somebody and people will go like, oh, the guy who lost is a bummer. the guy who won, you know, creamed him it's like, I, I remember there was a time where we looked at all of the rematches. And you would think that if guys, you know, that the rematches were almost 50-50. Now it's a little bit more. Like the guy who wins the first fight usually wins about 60% of the time the second fight. But, but um, you know, you would think that the guy who wins the first fight would win 80% of the time the second fight. And that's not the case. I mean, MMA, it's a lot of MMA. is a coin flip. And when people talk about, like, predicting and things like that, it's, it's predictions are luck.
3: Okay, but your opportunity to win, especially if you're brought in as the opponent, is minimal, okay? I mean, you're coming in Well, on... it's
8: you're you're going in with a huge disadvantage in MMA, absolutely because of the conditioning aspect. Okay, so or, as much uh, as anything else.
3: So for that fact, you would think that Bisping would be dangerous early, and if I was Luke Rockhold the champion, even though I had beat him before, I want to take him long and make him do some rounds. You hear what I'm saying? And guys don't seem to be taking that strategy to play.
8: He Luke did not take that strategy. I think Luke just thought that he was so much better than Bisping, and um, and it, and it cost him. The um, you know Bisping's thing is he is his 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 um, his strength is cardio, but he was coming off doing a movie and he had like you know only a couple weeks of training. So it's like you would think that if Luke was in his best shape and took him to the fourth round, that um, it would have been better for for that. But you know, Luke, I mean Luke. Smeared him the first time, and then in this fight, he, you know, where, where he had even more of an advantage because he had the advantage of a full camp. Although Luke did have a, a bad knee, but even so, I mean, Luke, should, you know, nine times out of ten, I think Luke takes that fight. But this was the the one time. Okay.
3: Daniel Cormier and John Jones rematch, of course. The first fight, like in January of last year, of course, John Jones. I thought winning that fight hands down, going away. Cormier, the interim champion in between because of uh, John Jones's driving inabilities or his abilities or whatever. The bottom line is he left the scene of a car accident. Um, is there any indication that this would be any different than the first fight as far as domination is concerned? And are we looking for a more dominant John Jones?
8: We don't know. I'll tell you what. I mean, he won all five rounds with Obin St. Preux, but he didn't look that great in, in the fight. I thought he looked sluggish. I thought he looked slower. Uh, I know that Cormier watching that fight was just going, man, if I had him on that night, I'd have beat him. And a lot of people thought, you know, I mean, I remember when the fight was over, people, you know, the big talk was, you know, and most people thought, you know, Cormier would have beat that guy on that night. Now now he's coming back. Um, he's had one fight under his belt, you know, after a long layoff. And, um, you know, I mean, he, you, the age thing always, the, the age and the reach is such a huge advantage for John Jones. And so it's hard to bet against him because of that. Um you know, uh, Cormier felt, I think, that he overtrained the first time. Um, I think that the one thing on the first fight is that it was a very much a personal thing. And now I think that it's more of a business thing in the sense that, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think that Cormier so badly, you know, so badly didn't want to lose. Uh, but still, you know, um, I mean, John Jones to me is still the best MMA fighter of all time. And Cormier's 37 years old and he's a fantastic fighter, one of the best there is. But um, you have to favor you have to favor John Jones in that fight.
3: Okay, so which is the real Daniel Cormier, the Cub Scout that we knew a couple of years ago, as far as his demeanor is concerned, or the guy talking smack with John Jones?
8: Both. Both. Um, yeah, yeah. And he's a great guy. He really is. But um, he's also uh, he's also a talker, and I think he knows that. You know, you gotta remember Daniel Cormier grew up watching you know professional wrestling and he understands what you got to do to talk people into seats, and so he's going to do it. But I mean, you, you get away from the promoter, the promoter of fights, Daniel Cormier. He's a great guy. Um, I think that, uh, you know, but he's going he's to do what he has to do to promote fights, um, and I think that he knows for whatever reason. I think that he thought, and a lot of people thought that the fans would be with Cormier based on the fact that he's a nice guy and John was often booed, but you know, the dynamic of what ended up happening is that people feel that John is the rightful champion and Cormier's got the belt, so it's kind of put the people in the Jones corner. So Cormier's kind of just reacting the way he feels he needs to react to promote that fight.
3: Okay, if Travis Brown can't beat Cain Velasquez in the uh pay per view opener, of course, of USC two hundred, will Travis Brown go down basically uh as being the uh being known as the sperm donor of of Ronda Rousey? I mean <laughs>
8: You know, I mean, he's a guy, He's um, if he doesn't win, he's going to you know, he'll be in that Roy Nelson mix, you know, where he's around, he's got some good size, and he's got some good wins. But um, I, I don't see him, you know, the Verdun really um, outclassed him a lot when they fought. And it, when, and from that fight, it was kind of like, you know, it, wasn't, it was, my feeling is, is, you know, it's one thing a guy can lose because he gets a fluke punch or something like that. But when you're outclassed for five rounds in a fight, my feeling kind of is, is that, okay, you're really not, going to be a, you're a world champion. So I, I, since that point, I never really saw Brown as a world champion. Most people see that Kane will win. The only difference is, is you know, Kane has been hurt so much and he's coming off back surgery. The old Kane would beat Travis Brown. If Kane Velasquez loses to Travis Brown, then, then I think that's a sign that the old Kane is no longer with us, which, is, which would be too bad.
3: The website is WrestlingObserver.com. Of course, the radio show is Wrestling Observer uh, uh, Live. And, of course, they air seven days a week right here on Sports Byline. Dave Meltzer, always a pleasure. I thank you so much for your time. But one last question for you. Diaz and McGregor, give me in about 35 to 40 seconds who wins that fight and why.
8: I uh, Still got a favorite Diaz for all the same reasons that yes, happened in the first fight. Yes, I th- yes,
3: I agree, Pickle. too. I think that, 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 that Connor McGregor should just go back to 145. And... He should give up that title right now since he didn't fight at 145 and let Aldo and Frankie Edgar fight for the vacant belt. What do you think on that?
6: Um,
8: he's going to have a tough time making 145, but I think that 145 may be his best weight class to be a star. So um, I would – I would, if, if, if he can physically make 145 – I would keep that title, and I would fight that winner right then and there. Because at 155, I don't know that he wins as consistently um, as he as he would at 145. And I think the Diaz fight really was the telling tale on that one. Because even though Diaz they, they fought at 170, the reality is is Diaz's regular fight weight's 155. He's a bigger 155. But you know, Connor.
3: Dave, Dave, running up on a hard break. All the best. The genius of geniuses. I thank you so much for your time. I feel blessed when I get it. Okay, no problem. Thanks, Pedro. Dave Melson, Wrestling Observer, live on Sports Byline.
1: Here's an urgent alert. Student loan payment. If you can't afford your student loans or if you're past due and you need help, you must call right now. We will restructure your loan or your money back, and that's a guarantee. So call the Student Loan Hotline right now. 800 949 8707, 800 949 8707, 800 949 8707, 800 949 8707.
11: Sixty-four. Now, more of Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
8: After a game, he always made sure we had a couple extra beers.
10: Day, saw you, oh, oh, you
3: beat me to the punch? <laughs> for a beast, Purdue wishes he had beaten Stip Mochick. to the bunch, of course, the new UFC World Heavyweight Champion out of Cleveland, following, of course, This week, the Cleveland Cavaliers capturing the NBA title over Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. So much props to Cleveland. Cleveland gets no respect. they got a USC heavyweight champion and an NBA heavyweight champion. So give them their props right now. Let them enjoy it. But the bottom line is LeBron James, the king when it comes to the NBA. And Steph Curry and those guys sort of look like a a boxing match or an NBA match, didn't it? Because, you know, in the early going, the, the one team was winning and then it came down to that last round, that last round, of course. And yeah, who won that last round? LeBron James won that last round. Looking at the USC schedule overall, of course, Nate Diaz and the Connor McGregor going in USC 202. Hoping to get Nate Diaz on the show. I might have to go over to either uh, Stockton, California. I understand he's also training in the city, by the way, San Francisco at Caesar Gracie's gym. But I'll try to get him at a live training event and get him afterwards in the next couple of weeks. So you are tuned to the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. Don't forget. Ring Talk Live Worldwide airs live on Sports Byline, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, Saturdays and Sundays. They are on Sports Byline, uh, of course, with the Johnny Talk. and his All-Star Saturday night at 10 p.m. Pacific Time right here on Sports Byline. And then there's this new host, this new show, No Holds Barred, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, Zach Attack Young talking MMA and pro wrestling right here on Sports Byline each and every Sunday. So check out all these shows. In fact, you can check out all the entire calendar. The entire roster of great MMA combat sports shows here at Sports Byline by going to the website, sportsbyline.com. Until next time, keep your hands up, keep your chin down, most importantly, keep your eyes open, look out for that sucker punch.